Support comes from Clipper Vacations, offering getaways on the Clipper Fast Ferry to Victoria, B.C. Clipper Ferry and hotel packages from $250 per person. Enjoy historic charm, afternoon tea, and more. Terms and conditions apply. Details and booking at clippervacations.com. Support comes from Gather Pottery, hosting ceramicist Sarah Anderson, teaching a weekend sgraffito workshop for all levels, May 18th and 19th at Gather Pottery in Interbay. Learn more at gatherpottery.com. Hey, good morning. It's Patricia Murphy. It's Tuesday. This is Seattle Now. Washington's climate is changing, and some of our native trees are struggling to adapt Western red cedars and Douglas firs aren't used to warming temperatures and drought conditions. Cue the redwood tree. Chances are you've actually seen them around Seattle already. Seattle Times climate reporter Amanda Zoe is here to tell us why the California icon may be a good fit for Washington. But first, let's get you caught up. We'll start with a grim historical marker made possible through genetic genealogy. The last known set of remains connected to the Green River Killer was identified yesterday. 16-year-old Tammy Lyles was found in 1985. Texas-based genetic genealogy company Othram identified the Everett teen through a partnership with King County Sheriff's Office. Gary Ridgway was convicted of murdering 49 women and teenage girls between the early 1980s and the late 1990s. He's currently serving a life sentence at the Washington State Penitentiary. We're still learning just how deadly the recent cold snap was for the region's most vulnerable people. The King County Medical Examiner connected a seventh death to the frigid temperatures. The most recently identified hypothermia victims were a 73-year-old woman in Tukwila and a 63-year-old man who died in SeaTac. And Washington State may require diaper changing stations and bathrooms accessible to all parents. A new bill in the state legislature would require new and renovated buildings and businesses with public restrooms to have at least one changing station in the men's and women's restroom, or at least one in a gender-neutral bathroom. A similar bill that applied to restaurants and hotel bathrooms didn't pass in the legislature in 2019. There were concerns about restrooms that lacked the space for changing stations. When you think of a redwood tree, you likely think of Northern California's iconic Redwood National Park, filled with trees that are thousands of years old. I fell in love with the redwoods on the West Coast during a trip there back in college. It's actually one of the reasons I moved out here. And both Washington and Oregon have their own collection of redwoods. Some ecologists think that collection should grow. Redwoods are famously sturdy and can adapt to almost any condition. And as the Pacific Northwest gets warmer, that may help keep our forests healthy. Seattle Times climate reporter Amanda Zoe is here to talk about all things Redwood. Really appreciate you joining us, Amanda. Thanks for having me. So Redwoods are a non-native species here in Washington. How did we get the ones we have? It's actually really not that complicated. Essentially, humans moved them here. Mm -hmm. And so what I learned from reporting this story is that there are redwoods all over the Pacific Northwest, both ornamentally, you know, someone was like, this is a beautiful tree. I want to move it here. I want people to admire it. But then also um, a small amount of farmers have actually started growing them commercially. 
Yeah, I want to talk about that in a minute. You know, I feel like I've walked around the city and seen them maybe in the Arboretum here and there. Where exactly would I spot a redwood? Yeah, they're sort of all over the city. And after the story published, um, people have actually been emailing me, telling me their favorite redwoods in their neighborhood or the ones they can see by I-5. But just some specific examples. There are ones planted in Laurelhurst Park, Jefferson Park, the Arboretum. Probably my personal favorites are the ones facing Husky Stadium. There's some near the water, I believe. Um, But a lot of them were planted by this one organization, Propagation Nation, who really are a big fan of the trees and think that they should be planted more in the Pacific Northwest. All right. So they're the ones behind planting a lot of the ones that we're talking about right now. Washington has a love-hate relationship with non-native plants. Let's talk a little bit about that. What has worked and what hasn't worked here? Yeah, so something I learned reporting the story is a lot of the self-described tree people I talked to said, you know, you might not know this, but there are actually redwoods everywhere in Washington. And the reason that is, is that people have been experimenting with planting non-native species for decades, you know. And some really basic examples in Washington outside of trees is Himalayan blackberry, which is sort of Mm. the you know, great example of the plant that has caused us a lot of nuisance as much as, you know, we love eating them during the summer. But then also like maybe another example is like apple trees. You know, they didn't come from Washington. They were planted here and now they're a big part of our agriculture. And so the similar thing has happened with trees, which is a lot of tree farmers through the decades have experimented with planting different species. And that's sort of where we find really old stands of redwoods today. And as you talked about, for some people, these trees are beloved here. You got mail from people telling you where their favorite redwoods are in the city. Yeah, I mean, they're certainly an iconic species, like they're probably maybe the most charismatic tree. So and we know in California, there are a lot of really passionate people uh, devoted to saving the species. Of course, we have our own lovely iconic trees. Our forests here are largely populated by western red cedars and Douglas firs. As our climate changes, Amanda, how are these native species doing? The extent to which climate change will affect them is definitely still being studied. But, you know, the long and short of it is that they're not doing great. You know, our temperatures have gone up. There have been more droughts. The western red cedar has seen die-offs in recent years. uh, And those are really important trees to tribes here. So, So it's definitely something where we don't really know the extent to which that the damages are happening now. But we we know that things are getting drier, hotter, and that's challenging our forests. And also wildfire, you know? Whole nother, whole nother beast. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, our trees and forests are, like we've been talking about, pretty important to people here in Washington. I am curious about the implications of changing the landscape we already have. Can redwoods be helpful? Yeah, so um, I think this is something might be misunderstood about the organization that's really into them is that they don't want to replace like a species of trees with redwoods. They're sort of just saying, you know, we have all these native species. We actually see a lot of them growing alongside redwoods in California. We think this would be a good tree to add to the mix here, whether it's in your park or in your mixed species forest or in your commercial operation. They're just sort of saying this tree is a good candidate. And the reason they say that um, is because the tree is so hardy and, you know, lasts a long time. They are wildfire resistant. They are resistant to rot, which is something that actually impacts the Douglas fir. And then also, like, if you cut one down or if they're damaged, something they do is they actually sprout directly from the stump. So they sort of, once they're established, you know, they want to they stick around. And they also grow really fast, which is the other thing um, 
Propagation Nation really likes is that they think this fast growth will make an impact for our, our carbon emissions. You know, it's interesting because we hear a lot about planting native species. Even Washington State's Department of Natural Resources would prefer that we plant native species. What do you think the tension is here between Propagation Nation and people who may think, hey, what are these guys trying to do? We're supposed to keep it native. One thing I thought was kind of interesting is I talked to this one ecologist and he's like, well, when you start talking about what native means, you're going to have all these like philosophical debates because Propagation Nation, they like to point out that, you know, before our last ice age, it's likely that redwoods had a much broader range across the country. Um, You know, we see signs of them, the fossil record in Montana and Idaho. So, you know, it's really not that much of a leap to bring them over here. The Department of Natural Resources, they, and I should point out, they have like a very specific point of view when it comes to this. You know, they're growing trees to maximize revenue for cities and, and towns. Like, you know, they, that, that's sort of their perspective here. They're sort of saying, you know, a forest isn't just the trees that we're growing. It's a habitat for other plants in the understory, for birds, for, you know, random insects. And, you know, given that we can keep the species the same, that's our preference. And so so they're saying we want to stay, we want to stick with Douglas fir because that's, that's what the other species are used to. I'm glad you brought up that the State Department of Natural Resources uses this as a business here in Washington. Are redwoods commercially viable? Yes. So they actually have um, a big market down in California. And one of the like small time family tree farmers I talked to was like, they sell beautifully and the price is way higher than Douglas fir. Um, so this is sort of part of the reason there is some research going on with redwoods is that the coast redwood is a commercially viable species. You can grow them for lumber. And, you know, that's something that we currently turn to Douglas fir for. What is the future of the redwood tree in Washington, do you think? Well, it's certainly already here. I mean, you know, I talked to small landowners who are already planting it commercially, mostly, you know, on a trial, like for fun basis. As for the future, you know, I I don't know, but the organization we profiled, Propagation Nation, they really want to distribute a lot more of these trees. So they're on track to total like maybe 20,000 trees by the end of this year. But they want to scale up even more. Like they want to distribute like 1 million redwood trees every year. And that might sound like a lot to us, but I think some helpful context is that around 50 million trees are planted each year in Washington. So, you know, we're talking about a tremendous amount of land, a lot of trees. And this organization is sort of saying, you know, why can't redwoods be one or two percent of that mix? Yeah, yeah. Important perspective, Amanda. Really interesting. Amanda Zoe is climate reporter at the Seattle Times. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you so much, Patricia. It was great being here. Thanks for listening to Seattle Now. And extra thanks to the generous listeners who financially support our show by contributing to KUOW. Today's episode was produced by Vaughn Jones. Our production team also includes Caroline Chamberlain Gomez, Claire McGrain, and Jenny Cecil Moore. Matt Jorgensen does our theme music. Seattle Now and KUOW Public Radio are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters. You can find more shows in the network wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Patricia Murphy. See you tomorrow. Seattle in the 90s. A tidal wave of iconic music roars out of this sleepy city and launches a pop culture revolution. Here's a story you haven't heard. Let the Kids Dance is a new podcast about the rise and fall of Seattle's teen dance ordinance, the law that made it illegal for young people to go to concerts. 
a story of moral panic, grassroots activism, and an unstoppable music community that fought for its freedom. Listen to Let the Kids Dance from KUOW and the NPR Network.